gentleman who uh, just stood behind the sacred desk is one of the elders of this church and has been a minister in this community ever since I've known him, uh, serving the people of Nashville in particular um, who have been homeless for various reasons. Um, and Sophia's Heart is a ministry that takes families off of the street, houses them, empowers them, equips them, and then helps them to go into their own housing. Uh, helps with jobs, budgeting. It's holistic, and it's a beautiful ministry. Um, our women go there once a month to serve and celebrate birthdays with little children um, so that they know they're not forgotten, they're loved on. And one of the missions that we support is Sophia's heart. So as we give, this is for the furtherance of the gospel message, locally, nationally, and internationally. Uh, next month, a team of us, we are going to Haiti. And so we're serious about serving Jesus. Um, and when I think about Sophia's heart, I'm thankful that Strong Tower was able to give beyond what our regular increment is annually because last year, the elders got together and decided that Strong Tower Bible Church would uh, give, I think, upwards of 12000 to get one of the wings, one of the rooms built for a family, to house a family. And this past week, Christy sent me a text because she was up at Sophia's Heart where that room has been completed and there's a plaque outside that room that says, thanks to Strong Tower Bible Church. So I want to give God praise for your obedience to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So praise God. Amen. I want to put another room in there, too. Let's keep on helping people, man, because it just can't be about us. Um, we, we've got to serve and help other people. And as my elder said, um, if you are in a place of financial straits, we do have a benevolence budget that out of the giving, we also want to make sure that we can help our own people as well. So you give the office a call. Uh, and one of the things that we do um, Brother Tony Bailey and others here, it's not just about giving people a blank check. We really want to help. So that's why we have Financial Peace University, so that you can come to class and hopefully learn some principles about not getting into debt, not making bad purchases, how to budget, and all those kind of things um, so that you can grow. Yeah, we'll help with Band-Aids, but we also want to help people to heal in every way. And speaking about those classes. Did y'all enjoy the classes this morning? I tell you what now, man, there was a lot going on, a lot of activity throughout the entire church. Uh, my class, the uh, pre-membership class, my wife and I and Tanya had, it was packed and it was hot in our room. We, we, we didn't have air conditioning in our room. We had a fan. And it was so loud, you know, your pastor can't hear. I had to turn the fan off, and my people sweated while we were up in there. So, man, but this is an older building that God provided for us. So some classes have air. Some classes don't. If your class has air, you better thank the Lord Jesus that you have air. The rest of us just pray for us. Amen. But there were classes, people moving all over the place. There was a kind of energy here this morning um, that we 
haven't had yet. This is the first time doing this. And so um, I thought today was very good. Um, people looked excited. Teachers looked excited to give what God had given them. It's a new day, man, and I'm so blessed. Thank you to everyone who had um, an intricate part in getting us off the ground today. Um, make sure you folk come back next week now. Don't, don't be the kind of Christian that makes an emotional start, but you forgot this thing is a marathon, not a sprint. If you signed up, show up, all right? Don't, don't be talking about, oh, well, I ain't coming next week. You got out of bed this morning. You can do it next week. Let's get to consistency and build the spiritual muscles. Let the church say amen. Amen. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want it packed again next week. Don't fall off. Do not fall off. It's too early to fall off. Don't fall off. Better look like this next week. <laughs> Why am I loud? Why am I raising my voice? I don't know. <laughs> well, we have uh, expanded the uh, church once more with the birth of Anna Steele on Saturday at 6.36 a.m. Tony and Stephanie, she was 7 pounds, 13 ounces, and 20.5 inches long. I expect to see her in church next week. And if she's in church next no, I'm just joking. You know, because when black people have babies, they stay home for a long time. Y'all ever notice that when black people have babies, they, they, they keep them in. They hibernate them. They keep them in. White folk have baby, they out the next day. What, what is that? What is that? What is that? Black folk just scared of the germs or something. I don't know what it is. What is it with native folk? What y'all do? What y'all do? Y'all have them and, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, y'all keep on rolling, don't you? What about my Latino folk? What, what y'all do, man? The, we, the next day. Oh, y'all stay home? You stay home? You take a year break. <laughs> Woo, Amen. Oh, I love this diverse church. Praise God. All right. If you could put my first slide up, we are celebrating Strong Tower Bible Church's 19th church and pastor's anniversary. Amen. 19 years. The church started September 3rd, 1995, and God has been good. He's kept us. He's sustained us. So on Wednesday, September 24th, um, save the date. We're going to have a gathering just to thank God for what he has done and what he will do in this church. And next year, Lord willing, is the big 2-0. Amen. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Judges, chapter 7. The book of Judges, chapter 7. And I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you that we can assemble in relative peace. Unlike many of our brothers and sisters around the world who are assembling today, maybe looking over their shoulder, maybe taking a great risk to go to the house of the Lord because of great physical and violent persecution. Or those who wish they could get to church, but maybe they don't have a ride. Maybe they're in the hospital or maybe they're incarcerated. Or there are people who don't know that they need you. And we know, Lord, it's not about the church. It's about you. We thank you for how you use the church as your body to do great things in the earth in your name. 
Strong Tower needs your strength. We thank you for 19 years, but Lord, we believe the best is still yet to come for what you want to do in us and in spite of us. So have your way. Today, as I talk about your power, your ability, may we see you more than we see Gideon. May we see you more than we see any leader in this church. Because it always has been, always will be about you and you alone. And we pray this in the matchless and mighty name of your son, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, on this 19th anniversary, kickoff of Christian education for us and workers all over this building, serving our children, serving teens, serving adults, security ministers, hospitality ministers, deacons, elders, with all of this stuff that's going on, all this activity, all of this life, I'm here to just stop by and encourage you by saying that if God can use Gideon, he can use anybody. I mean, if God can use Gideon, anyone can be used by God. Because when it comes to working for God, the best ability is availability. He takes delight in working with people who recognize their weaknesses. Because his strength is made perfect in weakness. And so because we are fallen humans, we are people who qualify to be helped by the Lord. Because we're weak and he truly is strong. And as we will see and thank God for, that God does not call and use those of us who are qualified. Because if that's the case, he wouldn't use any of us because none of us are qualified. But the good news is that he qualifies everyone that he calls. He empowers the weak. Oh, my, we can do great things in his name. In the days of Gideon, which was the time of the judges, God brought about a great victory with an unqualified leader and an undersized army. Oh, yeah, God did that. He brought about a great victory with an unqualified leader and an underserved army. So I've got hope today. Oh, just reading that, I can stop and shut the Bible. We can dismiss and you can get home in time for the Titans game. Kickoff. I can stop it right now because that's the message. He'll use an unqualified leader, and he'll use an undersized army to accomplish great things for his sake because it's not about the leader. It's not about the army, but it's about the God who calls the leader and the God who equips the army. This story is really not about Gideon. It's really not about Israel. It's about the Lord because in the days of the judges, Israel was in transition, just like Strong Tower Bible Church has been in transition. They had been in Egypt, and then they came out of Egypt by a mighty hand. They walked in circles for 40 years in the promised land because of their unbelief. But under Joshua, he was able to lead them into the promised land 
to take the land that God had promised to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And now the judges, we see military leaders who are trying to occupy that which God had called them to occupy. And there's a lot of fighting here. There's a lot of politics in the book of Judges. But there's also a cycle in the book of Judges. It's a cycle we see throughout the entire book where you see the people sinning. And because they sinned, God handed them over into servitude to the surrounding nations. Israel was supposed to be the head, but when they turned from God, he made them the tail. They were to go forth and conquer, but when they turned to idols and worshiping Baal, now they're being conquered by the enemy. So God put them in prison so that they might pray. So there was sin, which led to servitude, which led them to supplication. Oh, we got to pray, Lord, get us out of here. We repent. We are sorry. So then there would be salvation. God would send a judge, a military leader, male or female, who would come and deliver the people by force. And then once they got out, there was solace or peace in the land. But then the cycle started right back up because when the pastor died, I mean, when the judge died, so did their faith to God, it died. So they started sinning again. Then God raised up another nation, the Jebusites, uh, uh, the electric lights, somebody to enslave them. So then they start praying again. Then they get out of that jam and then experience peace. And then their commitment dies, they start sinning again. Then they get enslaved, then they pray, then they get out, they have peace. Is anybody on a cycle today? It's just up and down. Your life doesn't have consistency. God's trying to get your attention to get you off that cycle. He wants you, because the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. So that dipping and dabbing and we think that nobody sees us, what we're doing. No, God sees it and he will not be mocked. He loves his children enough to spank them. Sometimes he'll just say, hey man, time out. Then sometimes he'll pull out the rod and the staff that was used to ward off the wolves and he'll kind of get his sheep in line with that because he loves us too much to keep us in the cycle. He breaks cycles, and he was after breaking a cycle here in the Judges. The last verse of the book of Judges says, everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. What a time then, and it kind of seems like that time now, where we need the Lord to step in through a motley crew of people and get glory anyhow. So what we see in Gideon, we see an unqualified leader, number one. He was on qualified. Um, he was fearful, number one. <laughs> this was a fearful guy. He wasn't the bravest guy. He didn't bring much to the table. Matter of fact, when we find our hero, he is threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So you don't normally thresh wheat where wine is trod and made. Usually that's happening in a cooler environment, environment like a cave where they're thresh, I mean, uh, trotting the grapes to make the wine. You would thresh wheat up on a mountainside where there's a wind that could come and blow the chaff and separate it from the kernel. But this brother was indoors when he should have been outdoors. He was indoors because the Bible says he was hiding from the Midianites. But I love when Jesus shows up in 
calls this unqualified leader. The angel of the Lord, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament, he comes and he appears to Gideon, and the Lord calls him, O mighty man of valor. Wait a minute, Lord. This is the brother that is fearful and hiding in a cave, and you call him a mighty man of valor because this is how Jesus looks at us. He doesn't look at us just where we are. He looks at us for where we're going to end up. He sees the potential in us even when we don't see it. And he calls those things that are not as if they really were. And he allows us with the help of the Holy Spirit to rise up to our identity in him even if we don't feel like it right now. So when he says you're a saint, man, you may not feel like it, but rise up to what he's called. If he says you're forgiven, if he says that you're blessed, if he says you're a son, if he says you're a daughter, if he says you're more than a conqueror, man, let me start living like who he says I am. Even though right now I don't feel like it. Jesus said, oh, mighty man of valor, I know that you're fearful. Gideon feared the Midianites. He feared his father. God told him, man, go break down your father's altar. Gideon was like, all right, I'll do it, but I'm going to take some dudes with me, and I'm going to do it at night so nobody sees me do it. Courage is not the absence of fear. We will always have fear. It is an emotion, and it's also a spirit at times, according to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. So courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the faith to face our fears. The fear is there, but in the name of Jesus, I'm going forward. I'm going to face it. It's not going to defeat me. So although Gideon had great fear, you read about it throughout his narrative, he did not stay paralyzed by fear. He kept moving even though he was fearful. I'm here to say to you, if you're fearful, keep pressing. Keep on moving. Do not give up and stay paralyzed by fear. Gideon also made excuses. When the Lord called him, he said, wait a minute, Lord, I'm from the smallest clan, Manasseh. Don't nobody come out of Manasseh and do nothing. <laughs> uh, I'm, from, I'm the least in my family. You know, he had all of these excuses as if God didn't know what clan he came from and what birth order he was born in. Just like we make excuses, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. Do not send me to do that. I'm so weak. He's like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm sending you. Oh, Lord, we make excuses. I like when he called Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm just a youth. I'm young. The Lord said, don't tell me that you're young. I know that you're young. Go do it anyway. But not only was he fearful, he made excuses. Gideon asked God for signs. <laughs> Lord, your word is not enough for me. I need you to show me some signs to validate what you're saying, to verify my calling. So he said, Lord, if I'm really talking to you, let me go and make an offering for you and bring it back to you. So the Lord says, go ahead. He goes out and kills a little sheep, prepares it, brings it back, and he puts it on this rock. And Jesus took his staff and just touched the sacrifice, and it went up in flames. And then Jesus disappeared in the fire. And Gideon was like, oh, my goodness, I have just seen the Lord face to face. I'm going to die. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you're not going to die. And so Gideon built an altar and called the place Jehovah Shalom or the Lord of peace because God was at peace with me because had he not been, I would have died. So he saw the Lord and we would think that would be enough. Here's the Lord appearing to him, go. And then the Lord gives him a sign 
And then Gideon says, well, I need one more sign. Um, I got this fleece right here. Just to have proof that you're calling me. I'm going to set this fleece outside. And I want the ground to be wet and the fleece to be dry. Lord was like, all right, man. So he gets up the next day and he sees that the ground, there's dew, but the fleece is dry. He's like, oh, I guess God is doing something. Because if it's laying on something that's wet, you would think it would get wet, but it's still dry. He said, oh, Lord, but pardon me just one more time. How about you make the fleece wet and the ground dry? God is so patient. He says, okay, you need another sign? I'm going to give you a sign. My word isn't enough? Okay, here's a sign. So he gets up the next day, and there's so much moisture in the fleece. None is on the ground that he's able to wring out a whole bowl full. So he's like, man, I guess God is calling me through these signs. But then he needed another sign because God says, I know you're afraid. So go down into the camp of the Midianites and just listen because I'm going to send them a a, a, a dream about you and he went down and he started listening to the people and they said man we had a dream and that this wheel rolled into our camp and destroyed our camp and it must be no one other than Gideon and so the people knew about Gideon and Gideon heard that he's like well I guess the Lord is calling me isn't it a shame when we got to ask God to give us sign after sign after sign to let us know we're on the right track when his word should be enough don't we walk by faith and not by sight? But God is so patient that he gives us these sight signs when we just can't walk enough by faith. This brother was unqualified. If God can use him, I, there's hope for me. Thank you. And then his family was messed up because Gideon's father worshipped Baal. Mm, mm, mm. So he didn't have a daddy who had a righteousness about him. His daddy worshipped Baal. He was an unqualified leader. But the good news is that God called Gideon. He called him. Judges chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So God calls him. And it was an unmistakable call. Because here's the deal. All of us are called to do something for the Lord. A few weeks ago, we talked about compassion. There's a reason why you're compassionate about the thing that you're compassionate about. Because I think within that compassion, in that burden, there's a calling to do something about what you're burdened and compassionate about. Some of us just make a living off of ministry. But every Christian is to be in the ministry serving people who need to be served. So there's no mistake why you feel the way you feel about a people group the way that you do. And when you start serving and walking in your ministry and in your calling, it's going to get tough. And that's why you got to go back to the calling that the Lord gave you. Because sometimes all you have is your calling. Because when your resources start drying up, when you stop feeling all warm and fuzzy about the thing, and you're tired of the people you're serving and all this, you got to go back to, wait a minute, he called me to do this. And he didn't tell me I could quit. Because usually when you're called, you can't quit. You get reassigned, but you can't quit. You know how many times I want to quit Strong Tower Bible Church? I've quit driving to church. Lord, I ain't coming. I ain't going in there. Then I say, all right, Lord, I guess I will because I'm called. And you never know it. You never know it. But I didn't quit and rejoined and quit and rejoined many times. Because when you're called, the calling makes the difference. Gideon was called. But another thing, Gideon was empowered by God. 
Because God isn't going to lead him somewhere that he's not going to give him the power to do it. He was empowered with the Holy Spirit. Judges 6.34, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abizrites gathered behind him. Oh, look at that. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And if you've been a strong tower, you've been under the teaching here, you understand the way the Holy Spirit worked under the old covenant. He didn't rest on everyone. He only rested on select individuals for a select mission. And his resting was conditional upon the obedience of the one being rested upon. So he didn't rest on everybody. He didn't stay with everyone. But under the new covenant, the work of Jesus, he poured out his spirit on all flesh. And the spirit in us is permanent because he's the seal guaranteeing our inheritance. He won't leave us. We may grieve him, but he'll never leave us. So the finished work of Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to men, women, everybody. But on the old covenant, it wasn't that way. God gave this judge the Holy Spirit because the anointing is what makes the difference. The spirit in him working with this weak man. You do know you need the help that Jesus offers. Because Jesus says, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you a helper. He will be with you. He will be in you because you need help. But how many times do we get up and try to live the Christian life without relying upon the helper? And we end up walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. And we wonder why we don't have joy. We wonder why we don't have victory. We wonder why we're not seeing progress. Because we have to yield to the spirit of God. But here's the beautiful thing I also love that not only did the spirit come upon his brother, he started blowing the trumpet. Oh, yeah, man. I wonder if that says saxophone in the Hebrew. Oh, there's just something about the saxophone. Kirk Whalem, I love you and I miss you, man. But I tell you what, the first people filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible were artists. It wasn't these great judges and prophets and priests. They were artists who made the temple. So God's spirit comes upon artists and musicians. Can somebody say amen? When David played that harp, spirits, evil spirits went up off of Saul. We can never underestimate the importance of the ministry of our psalmists, our drummers, those dealing with percussion, our singers. It's powerful. It breaks through. They can't get up here in the flesh and do these songs. They, they, during the week, they are asking us, show me what song. They're just not grabbing songs. No, they're, they're trying to hear from the Lord. And, man, you come up in here and you're like, man, that was my song, huh? The Lord picked that for you. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Let me keep going. But this brother had people get behind him because you're a true leader when you have people following you. And he really didn't have to ask these people. They saw God's hand on him and they followed him because whenever God calls a leader, he also calls people to follow that leader. And that's how you know you're a leader because people are following you. Now, a leader is someone who has enough influence with a group of followers so as to move them to accomplish a common goal. That's what a leader is. I've got influence, and I'm using it to see people moved to accomplish a particular goal. This man became a leader just like that. But then let's talk about this undersized army. Not only was this man unqualified, but thank God he was called and empowered there was an undersized army. With 32,000 soldiers, Israel was outnumbered four to one against the Midianites. All right, look this way. 
there were 135,000 Midianites. The Bible says they would come up on the land like locusts. You couldn't even number them, one of the passages says. So there were, according to chapter 8, 135,000 of them. And when they rolled up on their camels, their camels had necklaces of gold. In other words, their camels had rims. I mean, they were some intimidating people, man. Israel plants something in the field, they come and just, whoom, eat it all up. They were a consuming people. But they were a people that were never supposed to have authority over the people of God anyway. But God heard their supplication, and now he's about to send salvation through a judge. 135,000 Midianites. Now, I got to read this. I don't think I have the scripture here. Uh, uh, Yeah, verse 2 of Judges chapter 7. It says, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. All right, stop. How many Midianites? 135,000 based on chapter 8 of Judges. How many Israelites? There were 32,000 Israelites. 32,000 Versus 135,000 means that Israel was outnumbered four to one. God had the nerve to say to Gideon, you got too many people for me to do this thing. Does anybody not like the way God does math? Wait a minute, Lord. We already outnumbered. I ain't got enough. And now you're saying we have too many? I don't understand how you... Add, multiply, divide, and subtract. I do not understand. And if you think you can understand how God does his math, you'll never make I don't care how smart you are. Because he can make a way out of no way. He, he can add some zeros to, behind some numbers. He, he, oh, he, he don't operate according to the laws that we have here, physics and mathematics. He's outside of all of that, which is what a miracle is. A miracle is an invasion into the natural order to do that which is supernatural. He don't need what we need or what we think we need. Mm, He ain't bound by that stuff. He said, man, y'all got too many because 32,000, they'll think that they did this thing. And God don't share glory with nobody. So a lot of times he strip us down so that we know who gets all the glory when it gets done. Listen, you cannot be too small for God to use you, but you can be too big. You can't be too small, but you can't be too full of yourself. You can be too rich, thinking that your own hand got that money, that you built that business, that you all that and then some. No, God can't use you. (laughs) But he can use the one who says, I am weak, I am small. God's like, I got you. Because God in one person is a majority. It ain't about who against you. It's about who's with you. And who I'm with, I, I'm rolling with, with, with the Lord. I'm rolling with God. So, man, oh, I don't, I'm outnumbered. Remember that uh, story in the Old Testament? I think it was Elisha or Elijah. I can't remember which one. And uh, his uh, 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 servant was afraid. He said, man, look at all these soldiers around us. We are outnumbered. And Elisha was like, there are more with us than there are with them. 
He like, I don't understand the prophet's math. And the prophet said, Lord, open up his eyes. <laughs> and the Lord opened up that man's eyes, and he looked into the mountains, and he saw chariots of fire and the heavenly host of, of, of the army of the Lord standing at attention. So there was more with us than there are with them. There's more with you than what's in the world. Greater is he that is in you than what's in the world. So it was an undersized army. God says, y'all got too many. So then the Lord says, I got to take y'all down from 32,000 to 10,000. Because he says, now, if anybody's afraid and don't want to fight, y'all go ahead and go home. So of the 32,000, the Bible says 22,000 of them rolled out. 20,000 rolled out. 20 from 32, 22 from 32 is 10. So 22,000 people were afraid, didn't want to fight, left them with 10. Lord, that's good, isn't it? Verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. Verse 5, so he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Every, likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. Verse 6. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. 32,000 down to 10,000. From 10,000 down to 300. And in God's mind and using his math, 300 people, they are just enough to go against 135,000 people, meaning that now they are outnumbered 450 to 1. And then God's like, the way we're going to get your army together is by how they drink water. Life and death is at hand. So this tells me sometimes in America, 21st century, we just a little too uptight and, and just too sensitive. We're trying to be intricate about everything, every detail. And God is like, I know some of y'all are about to lay your lives down. We're going to divide this army up by how they drink. And the ones who drink like dogs are going to go with Gideon. The rest of y'all that kneel down to drink, 9,700 of y'all go home. Mm. It's a difficult mission, but God is like, it ain't that difficult. Now, let me demonstrate for you. They go down to the water. And when I was in Israel, we saw this place. Uh, some of y'all who, who've been to Israel, you've seen this place where Gideon and them. Now, it's not a lot of water there right now, but it was a lot of water back then. So you had 10,000 dudes around a water hole. And 9,700 of them went and drank the water like this. Got on a knee. Scooped it up. Some of them probably were so thirsty 
that they laid down by the water hole and started drinking. And the Lord said, the ones who kneel or lay down, I don't want to use them for this battle. Send those 9,700 home. Get the ones who are drinking like dogs, like this. Lord, why do you want people that drink like that? Because watch this. When a dog drinks, it does not kneel down. You've never seen a dog on its knees drinking out of a bowl. A dog is always standing up when it's drinking. So he's like, get the dogs who are still able to be flexible and be able to move for battle because they're mindful that they didn't come into the army to drink water. Now, you got to drink water to be an army because you got to stay hydrated. But the primary reason for coming into the army wasn't to drink water. It was to fight and defeat an enemy. So when a dog, you ever mess with a dog while it's eating or drinking something? So I know that ain't the right thing to do. But sometime when I was a kid, we had a little dog, and that brother would get on his bowl, and I'd start messing with it. And he'd be like, and, it, and it's watching you while it's drinking. Like, its eyes start looking at you, and it's still, because you, it knows you're you messing with it. And God is like, get the guys who recognize that they're still in a battle while they're drinking. They're getting the nourishment, but they haven't forgotten that they're in a battle. Now, the 9,700, they're not fearful, but they're not mindful either. Get the ones who are not fearful, but they're also mindful that we're still in a battle. You did not come to this church just to drink water alone. You came to this church because we're in a battle. Yeah, you got to drink. We all have to drink, but that's not why the Lord sent you here primarily. And if you're here just to drink and to complain when the water ain't cold or to complain when the water ain't right, I'm going to ask you to do what God had to do with this group, and that is why don't you just go ahead and go somewhere? We don't need you here if you're just here to drink. We need you here to drink so that you can fight. If the only reason you come is to sit down in this pew and get fed every Sunday, you need to find another church that's okay having a lot of numbers. I could care less about how many numbers we have. I'm asking God to give us committed people. Because God can do more with 300 committed dogs than he can with 32,000 folk that's fearful, drinking all the time, doing nothing. I mean it. So there have been times I've been seeing our numbers dwindling. I'm like, Lord, okay, I know I said that, but people leaving. Some of them people that are leaving are tithers. The budget is funny. The change is strange. The money, oh, Lord. And he keeps reminding me, I'm the Lord. People are a resource. I am the source. I'm going to give you everything and everyone you need to do the work I've called Strong Tower to do. And I'm like, yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for getting me back in place. Because I know when all them people was rolling out, I know Gideon was like, dang, not, not you. Oh, Lord, 300. But he divided them up into three companies of 100 each. And they had a crazy game plan. 
Doesn't make sense. Take a trumpet, because that was that brother's lane. You take this trumpet. Take a clay pot, put a torch in it. We're going to go in the middle of the night, and we're going to surround their camp with our three camps. And at the right time, we're going to say, for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. When we shout, we're going to blow the trumpet, then we're going to crack the uh, vases, and the lights are going to shine from the torches. The Bible says that God entered into that, and what he did was he magnified the sound of the army to make 300 sound like 300,000, to make those bright lights seem like it was people everywhere, to make that sound of the trumpet just make the enemy so confused that the enemy turned on one another and started killing each other in panic and then those who survived ran and now Gideon's dogs started pursuing the enemy now they bold they running after because they saw God do something great now this boldness welled up in them and said look at us routing the enemy one can put a thousand to flight two can put ten thousand to flight 300 can defeat 135,000 with the help of the Lord. So Strong Tower, we may have an unqualified leader. Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am not qualified, but I am called. And I am empowered by the Spirit of the Lord. And we may have an undersized army, but we have a great and mighty God who can still get the glory and win battles through committed people with dog-like faith. So my question is, where my dogs at? <laughs> Are there any dogs out here that say, and I ain't no poodle dog that's prissy, and now I'm one of them, you know, junkyard dogs. I'm just, man, I'm ready to bite something. I'm ready to run and chase after the enemy. I'm ready to do my job up in Strong Tower. I'm a dog. You can count on me, Pastor. When I sign up, I'm going to show up. You can count on, you can count on me, Pastor, because when I say I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. You can count on me, Pastor. I am committed. Oh, yeah, I tithe and then some to, to, to the work of the Lord in Strong I'm a dog for Jesus, Pastor. You, man, I got to hold you back. You ever see them people with them dogs, and they're like, people holding them back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got a couple of people around here I just got to hold back because I got some dogs for Jesus up in here. Let me hear the dogs bark for Jesus. up. Come on, a little louder. Wait a minute, I heard a poodle. I heard a poodle. Yep, yep, yep. We'll take her. We'll take her. Man, you should have been in our church today. Pastor had us barking like dogs. <laughs> well, I need some dogs. Ministry at J.T. Moore officially begins on September 15th, 2014. God thrust us into this community. We went, Franklin, minding our own business. And God dried up the well there and led us here. And right down the road is a school that needs our help. In August, the principal came and he said, I've got 200 kids who cannot read. I've got 240 that can't do math. There's not enough of me to go around to help the kids. 
we need help. So the public school is coming to the church for help. What's the church going to do? Oh, this church is going to help. And I'm looking for at least, at least 25 dogs who can commit to serve from now through the end of December. That's four months. I'm going to show you how we can serve places because we got places for everybody. No matter what your background is, if you're available, God can do it through you. We need dogs. But don't get offended by what I'm about to say. Because as I talk with the principal, he needs black men especially. Don't hear that I'm saying we don't want men who are not black. But what he's saying is, man, because of the makeup of my school, I need black men in the halls. Yes, we need white brothers. Come on, white brothers. Yes, Latino brothers. Come on, native brothers. Come on, Asian brothers. But he said, man, this white man says, we need black men. Like you, Pastor Chris. Like you, Pastor Daryl, to come in. They got to see you. So I need some black dogs. I got to have some black dogs who will stand in these halls. Well, here's how you can help. Fifth and sixth grade tutoring on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays from 9 to 9.45. Help students learn with basic reading and writing fundamentals. Read a book with them. Assist them with reading comprehension. Assist with writing skills. You might can't come Tuesday, but, man, you can come Wednesday. You can have the kind of job that you can, man, I can be there from 9 to 9.45. I can do that to help a student. We need tutors. They need classroom helpers. And by the way, this is the list they gave us. Times, Monday through Friday. Come in for an hour. Objective, man, help maintain order in the classroom. It's tough for many teachers. Now, now here's part of my dream. As we minister at this school, Lord, show us the next school. Show us the next school. Show us the next school. Because if you can reach the younger generation, man, you might save the future. And I know I got public school teachers in here. Y'all like, man, I wish y'all come to my school. Because we know how tough it is, man. A lot of kids are coming out of backgrounds where they don't have home training and discipline. They don't know how to sit still. And if they're not being medicated or overly medicated, it's hard for them to pay attention anyway. But they need the presence of people in those rooms to help. Help to maintain the order. And you can see that there are other things that are needed. Then there are hallway helpers. Y'all remember what it was like when you got out of class to go to the next class? You didn't want to go to the next class. We need some folk in class. Hey, are you where you're supposed to be right now? Come on. What's that around your neck? That's a strong Tower Bible Church laminate ID card that lets you know that I'm a volunteer with the church. We're not here to proselytize. We're not here to even invite you to church. We're here just to be the church here in the world. Man, get to class, boy, before I put my, boy, get to class. We need cafeteria helpers. As in most schools, there are not a lot of people in the cafeteria helping, making the food, cleaning up. But, man, we can come up anytime Monday through Friday from 11 to 1.30. Try to do two lunch shifts. Go from table to table. Meet the kids. 
help those people who are cleaning up and picking up all the food that's on the floor to get ready for the next. Just serve. Presence means so much. And then morning greeters. We're Monday through Friday, man. If you can go on your way to work, just come on in and just welcome kids as they're coming in the building. Help teachers open up doors and bless somebody in the morning. They're coming out of who knows what happened last night, a tough morning. Maybe they didn't have breakfast. So, hey, go into the cafeteria. There's breakfast. But the principal said, we need some help. And I believe Strong Tower was thrust into this community because the Lord has a lot of witnesses in Franklin, a lot of strong churches. But, man, in this area, the Lord said, there's a diverse school down the street. Let me send one of my diverse churches to be right next to it. I'm going to give them favor with the leadership to go in there. And we won't be able to reach everybody, but, man, I think we can get a few of them. Because the one you help save today may turn around and end up saving us tomorrow. You just don't know. But if God can use Gideon, if God can use 300 dogs, he can use Strong Tower Bible Church. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise. Before Christy comes to close in prayer, I think Luke is coming back. It's 1150. Um, there will be a table in the hallway. Sister Lasagna will be there with these categories. Some of you have already signed up for some of the categories. We need others. Four months, you can do it. You can say from September 15th through the end of this school year, December, I can do it. I can do it. And then we'll see what God does from there. Let's get our foot in the door. And by the way, the trailer that we have has been built out by Chris Cron, where we're going to bring that up once we get established in the school. But on this, we will have clothing for students that don't have adequate clothing. The principal is identifying those students, and what he will do, he will walk them out to the trailer right around 3 o'clock and let them walk through that trailer with many of the clothes that you've donated in here. They're going to go through and go shopping, get what they want. They're going to discreetly pack it in boxes, mark books, so they can get on the bus and not have to worry about being joked or even being robbed on the bus of the stuff they just got from the Strong Tower trailer. Then Karen Covington's been putting all this food together because one of the professors, one of the teachers there, knows the kids that need food. So we get food up there, they box it, the kids take the food home for their families. That's just one small thing that we are going to do for the Lord. Let's stand, let's stand, let's stand, let's stand. And Lord, bless our Tennessee Titans today. In Jesus' name! And if our God is with then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, what could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, what could stand